Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, you Where Brains Meets Beauty podcast. This is Rachel Malkin. I'm a makeup artist, a yoga teacher, and the executive assistant to the CEO of Dame Products. And I'm so excited to be here at Base Beauty. I am Rachie Mal on Instagram, and I hope you have an amazing holiday. Bye. Hey, WBMB fans, Elora Pindell here, and I'm the executive assistant at On Campus Marketing. We are the premier on-campus market for the student who's starting for the first time to the student who is getting ready to graduate next week. For more information, find us on Instagram at OCM College Life. Happy holidays! Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy 2020. This week's episode features Laura Schubert. She is the CEO and co-founder of Fur. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Kirsten Kierweiss. She's the founder of Kierweiss. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited to be sitting with Laura Schubert. She is the CEO and co-founder of Fur. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to be sitting with you. And when I just met you out in the hallway, my first thought is, you're so young. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I'm old enough that that's a big compliment. Yeah. So. <laughs> Your skin is so beautiful. <laughs> thank you. You have such a great glow. So um, we're going to talk and dive into your career and background and your inspiration in starting fur. But I wanted to start with one of my favorite questions, which is, how will you be spending your day today? Oh, yeah. So today, well, when I get back to the office, I mean, it's all about 2020 strategy, right? Because we're right, this is the first week back in the new year. And so it's really about deep diving into each of my channels and figuring out, you know, where, where do we want to take the brand this year? And where do you want to take the brand this year? Everywhere. So it's always about prioritization. Uh, and that was also something, you know, my background was strategy consulting. And so we didn't, in a way, think a lot about, you know, I, I guess I'm always the kind of person where I know where I want to be in a long time or like down the road or where, where I want to end up. But really, but okay, what do we do today towards that goal? What do we do tomorrow? And so that real just execution, which is really what building a business is about. Uh, I don't know. It's just so important. So you're talking about a topic of goal-making, which my sixth grader is actually studying in health class, and I actually just helped him with his homework and preparing for tests, and they have to learn about, like, short-term goals. What does that mean? Long-term goals? What does that mean? I'm like, wow, this is, like, real-world stuff. That's really real-world, and, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I hope I've uh, made some progress towards <laughs> figuring that out, even if he can figure that out now. that's He's ahead of the game. But I isn't think. that cool they teach that in sixth-grade health? Yeah. So, um, okay, let's talk about you. Let's talk about all about you. Um, you graduated from a school called Harvard. Yes. With a degree in French literature? Yeah, history and literature. History and literature. Yeah, I wrote a thesis on the French Revolution. Give me the high points of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, it was, well, the high point of it was I actually worked with uh, the the professor of French history at Harvard. And so I actually had a one-on-one -on -one tutorial with him every week, and that was the process to write write the piece. And so, I, I don't know, I just had an amazing experience doing that. And why French literature? 
I studied French growing up, and I uh, I always was just really fascinated by French language and culture. And so that, that basically my major was French culture. And did you have goals for what to do with that degree after school? Not at all, no. Uh, I just really enjoyed the study of French culture. And so that was sort of a, a rude awakening for me, I think, when I was probably a sophomore or junior in college when— well, actually, my now husband, we've actually been together forever. We're college sweethearts. He was on the job search. And I remember being a sophomore in college and saying to myself, oh, wow, this degree isn't going to get me a job. I better get some good internships. So uh, I actually interned for Goldman Sachs both of my summers during school. And um, what's your biggest takeaway from those internships? Uh, oh, I mean, well, so I, I didn't work at Goldman very long. I only worked for them for a year after graduation. But I think I think you learn a lot from working for big corporations and, and even now. So, well, I guess when you start your own business, a lot of those lessons aren't that applicable to day one. But as I progress in my journey at FUR, uh, they definitely become more relevant. Uh, and also just to see how the biggest, most successful companies in the world do things, I think is an amazing education, an amazing opportunity. And so I'm really grateful for that time I spent there. I had an internship, and then my first job out of college was with BBDO, which is just a, a giant right. advertising agency. And while I was like, meh, you know, to it after like a year, um, when I started my agency, all of a sudden, all those lessons I learned there when I was, I guess, 19, 20 years old applied. Like, um, you just have to get the job done. You can't say no. You have to find a way, right? Even if it's not the the ideal, most best way, you're going to find a path forward. And it, I was like, wow, <laughs> like I was a child and I learned these lessons and now I use these lessons that I learned as a child in my job, in my business every day, which is so crazy to me. Absolutely. Well, yeah, lessons in professionalism, I think, as you say, and yeah, getting the job done and and client service, I think, especially at huge firms like BBDO and Goldman, you learn, it, it's, it's an amazing to watch. And I think... Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get that experience another way. I do recall, like, really awful pantsuits that I wore. <laughs> like, I was so excited to have a job. <laughs> like, I was so excited to leave college and, like, go in the real world. And this whole—like, <laughs> like, I wish I had pictures of, like, lime green suits. You know, it's advertising, so it could be, like, you know, funky. Right. But, like, bizarro. I mean, I wish I had pictures of this. But oh, that's I, I had Brooks Brothers suits, mm-hmm. sweater sets, and pearls. Yeah, we were opposite, yeah. right? Like, we were both wearing, like, the same forms, but very differently. Um, well, it's 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 so—I think it's ho- hopefully um, um, uplifting for people who are younger who are listening to these episodes that, like, the things you're doing now, even if you don't, like, love that first job, they matter. Like, they're going to impact you later. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah, and again, I think—and that, that was sort of— I mean, I didn't. Pl- I wish I could say I planned it that way, but I, I didn't because I was in my 20s. And I, I don't know. I mean, again, hats off to people who have these grand plans when they're in their 20s. But, you know, I, I worked at Goldman and I worked in strategy consulting. And so I had these sort of very blue chip business experiences that, you know, when I started for when I launched for, you know, I in a way put on the back burner. But they really I don't know. I th- I'm really glad I did that when I did. It. Yeah, they seep in. So, um so you talked about Goldman. You talked about um, management consulting. Um, why become an entrepreneur after all of this? So yeah, I've thought a bit about that. I think, I think a couple things led me to entrepreneurship. Um, one was I was always miserable in those jobs. So my last job was at Bain Consulting, and I can't speak more highly of them. Uh, I really, again, I learned a ton. But the I found the more um, the more you were learning about a brand and a process and how a business runs, even if it's a really well-run business, 
sort of the more miserable I was because I like to figure things out. And so I think that's something I really learned in those experiences, too, is that what I really like is problem-solving and figuring out things that no one's had to figure out before. And when that's your own business, that's every day. Uh, And I think I discovered that that could be a path, and sort of my interest was sparked when I was in business school, actually, at Columbia. Um, And I, I took a class in entrepreneurship, and I thought a lot about starting my own business. I'm really glad I didn't start a business at that time because I didn't have the right idea. I didn't have the right team. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't the time. And so I went back to Bain. I went back to strategy consulting. I think that was the right move then. But that had sort of, there was a kernel in my mind. Um, also, when I was at Goldman, I actually worked with a lot of private clients and some of them were entrepreneurs. And so that's the thing. So when I look back, my father is a doctor, but he has his own practice. My mother's family also were small business owners. Then, you know, when I was at Goldman, I worked with entrepreneurs. Then when I was in business school, what I was interested in was entrepreneurship. And so I think it's, even though I didn't honestly pinpoint it, it's always been getting me where I am today. So I want to hear how being miserable at a job manifests itself in you. Like, were you, like, waking up in the morning dreading going to work? Were you not eating? You know, like, what what, what did that look like at that time where you realized, like, this is not my forever? Uh, I think for me— Again, it was really, you know, when I, when I, yeah, when I woke up, I wasn't especially excited. And, you know, I, I always want to do a really good job and wanted to be someone that my teammates could rely upon. So I always did my work, always did it on time, and always did it to the best of my abilities because that's my brand and that's who I want to be. But I, I knew, I, but again, I knew because that was my primary motivation at that time that that wasn't enough for me. Like, so that's, that's sort of baseline. You never let people down. You never let your clients down. You never let your team down. But I knew that in order to be fulfilled myself, I would need to be doing something that I was also passionate about. And how long did it take you to figure out that you needed more passion in your career? Was it like, oh, after a week, you know, or like, you know, how long did it take when you were at that Um, job? No, I mean, I was in strategy consulting for, you know, four or five years, and I was at my last job almost two years. So, and again, which was great because I think in those two years, I learned an incredible number of things. Um, and, and also management consulting is a little different pre-MBA and post-MBA. And so pre-MBA was a lot of sort of analytics and Excel and sort of how do you make analytical decisions. And then after my MBA, it was a lot more about leadership and, you know, how to help cl- a client's change, how to turn big ships. And so I think it was it, they were different lessons, and I'm glad that I, I stuck around for all of it. Have you ever been someone who would just, like, quit a job? Like, have you ever been impulsive that way? No. I'm not, yeah, I'm not very, well, because again, I, I don't like to let people down. So I don't think, I don't think that would be my, my choice. Unless, again, I, I mean, unless there were like a really bad reason. But again, thankfully, I've, I've only had, you know, jobs where people treated me with respect. So <laughs> were you on team sports as a kid? Uh, no, I was actually a gymnast and a runner and a sailor. So individual sports, but always on a team. And actually, yeah, it's true. Sport athletics is, was, has always been my biggest passion outside of, um, you know, school, I guess. On my team, we have a former gymnast, and um, the gymnast-esque things come out in um, so many ways through our work. So about, like, um, you know, getting criticism, like, it comes out that way. It comes out in teamwork, right? Like, in her response and reaction to things. I think it's, um, my son's a wrestler, so I think it's probably the same yeah. way. Like, you, there's a team score, but, like, all eyes are on you, right, in that one moment. Um I would imagine it probably, you know, formed some of this um, 
wanting to be relied on, right? And like needing, feeling um, like part of a team is means is so important. Yes, yes, I th- I think so. I mean, well, you know, you'll see with wrestling too. It's like, did you choose it? Did it? Cho- you know what I mean? Was it always there? But I definitely think there are definitely aspects of gymnastics that uh, my training gymnastics. I was pretty competitive as a kid. Um, that you know, yeah, definitely informed me to this day. Actually, fun fact: Lillian, my business partner and co-founder, and I were co-captains of the high school gymnastics team. Cool. So that's sort of that was our first big project together, I guess. Um, you know, you mentioned, does it find you or do you find it? So my son is super competitive, like always has been. And I never thought about this until you just mentioned it. But, um, yeah, maybe like there's something about this kind of sport, like a tennis, a gymnastics, a wrestling, where like you, you're relied upon in that moment. And, but like if you win, it's like such a high, right? Um, and the val- the validation of knowing you did it yourself in that moment versus like, I kicked the soccer ball to someone else who kicked the soccer ball to someone else who eventually got a goal, right? Maybe there's something in like his brain that says like, I need this. Yeah. I mean, different different lessons, right? I, you know, my, my husband comes much more from team sports, I guess. So I've seen that too. Um, yeah, I just think different lessons. But so that's also where I think maybe personality comes into it. Well, thank you for making me think through what my son's doing. We also just <laughs> needed him to do something to get his hands off his sister, you know, which is like wrestling's a really good thing for that. Like go wrestle with somebody else, not her. Um, so let's talk about um, that's very strategic. That's a real strategy sport. Yeah. Oh my God. Like the, the they have like thirty, you know, thirty seconds, sixty seconds. He's, I mean, some of the matches last ten seconds or less, but. Um, the small movements they do as they're like, you know, cr- like crawls up on top of each other on a mat, it's really phenomenal. Like literally like unpeeling fingers off to move hands away and squeezing on an arm to make the other arm release. It's it's crazy. It's cool. I mean, um, he's small now, so it's easy to watch. Like high school is tough to watch. Like they literally pick each other up and throw throw them down. Um, but okay, let's talk about your um, your best friend from seventh grade. Yes. <laughs> Lillian. Um and um, why call Lillian and start a business with her? Uh, again, that's another thing where I think looking back, it's like, it, you know, the markers were there, whether I um, realized it or not. Because we, so we met in seventh grade orientation and we just were at the same school, you know. It's so cute. Uh, and both were gymnasts. So we did gymnastics all through middle school and high school together. We're captains of the high school team, you know, by senior year, St- you know, Always overlapped in terms of classes, uh, and then and then both got into Harvard, which again you can't. That's really amazing. Plan. Did you actually like remember? You actually remember meeting her at orientation? Oh yeah, yeah. We were well, we were fast friends for sure. Um, and so yeah, so we were friends sort of again all through high school. Both got into the same school. I actually ended up transferring into her dorm, which with another group. So that's the other thing is we all uh yeah. So we ended up in her dorm, and then we you know both did. She actually went uh, to finance and then marketing. So she's always been in marketing pretty much. Uh, And then I was in consulting and then we both applied to business school around the same time uh, and, and both ended up at Columbia. That was where our paths led us. And so then we were classmates there again, which again, it's sort of, it's just kismet. And then uh, when I I left, I went back to consulting. She went back to marketing, but of course she was at L'Oreal. And then in 2014, when I started thinking about fur and how to make it a reality, because it was it was just an idea at that time. Who's my only friend in marketing? You know, and beauty marketing. It's Lillian. So of course I got her feedback on it from the very beginning, and we were in similar places in our career. And you know, I said, look, I think you should. I think you should leave L'Oreal and do this thing with me. So it's. It just sort of came to—it just came together 
that being said, I think the um, the trust that we have built over these decades of friendship is incredibly helpful for uh, founding a business because it's it's really hard. It's really hard to be business partners. It's really hard to start a business. And to have this underlying trust with your business partner is uh, something I'm really grateful for. So you said leave your well-paying job and come start a business with me? Yeah. Yes, I did. And what did she say? Uh, well, I mean, she thought about it. Actually, originally she was not a fan of the idea for fur, uh, but I gave her— I, so I pushed it through formulation, and I said, and I had a vial. It was in, like, an unmarked blue bottle. And I, she was at my holiday party in 2014, and I put it in her bag, and I said, you know, take this home, try it, play with it, think about it. I really think you're going to come around. Which is funny because that's actually pretty true to our dynamic in general where I have crazy ideas, and Lillian is always asking the right questions, and— I know when we come to a decision together, when we have alignment, that it's all for the right reasons. So, yeah, so by 2015, she had left her job. Um, and where did the money come to start this business? Savings. And we are still we are still bootstrapped. So, and yeah, long- so it's just been a lean and mean. And We've been lean and mean since the beginning. And it's 14, four years? We launched in 2016. So we were sort of formulating in 2014. 2015, Lillian left L'Oreal, and we were— you know, uh, putting the brand world together. Because when she left, we didn't even have a finalized name yet for the company. So again, naming, logo, brand world, and then early 2016 we launched. How is it possible that a very common three-letter word was not already taken for the company name? Well, pubic hair care is a completely new category. Uh, And I also think when you think about cosmetics, maybe, maybe, again, I feel like we've reimagined so many things in creating our brand that... uh, I'm not that surprised. Yeah, I just, you know, every like, every word. <laughs> like, yeah. naming is so challenging. It's one of the hardest things that we do because everything is taken. So kudos to you for snagging it before someone else did. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, life as an entrepreneur, but also um, how to support um, your team and make sure that your team feels like they're living a, a full life as they work for you. So you told me that you have um, a two-year-old daughter. I do, right? yes. And that, I think Lillian just had a baby, is that right? She, has a, she just had her second baby. A second so baby. She is a three-year-old and a seven-month-old, and I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. So what uh, what is um, maternity time post-baby coming look like for two entrepre- entrepreneurs these days? Uh, well, the nice thing about running a small business is that we, we get to create the policies we want. Uh, all the while trying to set a good example also for the rest of the team. Um, and so with each maternity leave, it's been a very frank conversation with what what do you need as a mom? What How can we support? So I, I think it always starts with, with the mother. Um, and again, we're small enough that we don't have to have these sort of wide-ranging cookie-cutter policies. And so, for instance, for, for me, when I had my daughter— I didn't want to take that much time off-off, but I needed a lot of flexibility. So I I didn't take very much time off at all, just completely, you know, again, no, not answering email. Uh, but then coming back, you know, I think it really takes like six months to a year to really come back to work. Uh, for Lillian, it was very important to her to really try to take two, three months off, especially for her second baby. Um, and so we really tried to make that happen. We didn't quite succeed because it is hard in a small business to have anyone out for extended periods of time. But we did our best to make that happen. And, you know, and again, I think it's just always about being a mom. It's about flexibility. It's about understanding. It's about being able to leave when you need to leave. And so we've never been about FaceTime. 
uh, everyone's a self-starter, and I think everyone feels just a high level of accountability. And so I think building that culture is really important also to supporting moms because they're the most efficient. Um, I agree completely. And um, I also think that there's um, a lot of judgment that other people put on um, entrepreneurs or other people about how much time they do or do not want or need, whether it's a lot or a little. And I remember feeling, well, my son's 12 and my daughter's nine now. So nine years ago, um, right after I had my second child, um, one of my clients, Clinique, called, like literally the day I think when I was leaving the hospital, and I I took the call because I wanted to take the call, and I did the work because I wanted to do the work, but I also felt this, like, weird feeling of, like, shame or stigma for doing it, and I actually, when they took, when they picked up, when they called me, I didn't tell them I just had the baby because I felt like, well, if I tell them I have the baby, then they're going to judge me, right? And so they were sweet because they're lovely people. They were worried that, like, something happened because I never told them when the baby came. I mean, they saw me. They knew I, when the baby was imminent. Um, but I, I was feeling so much sort of, like, internal shame that, like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I want to be doing this. And now I'm different, but that was nine years ago, right? And um, whether you—I have a lot of people on my team who work when they can work because they want to work, but maybe they can't work between the hours of, I don't know, three and six or whatever. Um, and I just feel like washing away the shame. Like, you want to work, you don't want to work, you want to be with the baby this time, you don't want to be with the baby this time. It's so important to, like, let people just do what's right for them. Right. Yes. And and again, I think, I, and I think that's why also the lack of FaceTime is the most important piece of that equation. It's if, if people are getting their work done and they're you know, hitting the results and, you know, who sort of who cares, especially today, because we do have cell phones and iPads and, you know, all these things. It's like who, you know, you can do work anywhere. And so I think that's incredibly empowering for working moms, too. This is so hard for so many companies still. Like, I mean, you talk about it because it's your normal and that's our normal, too. But like, it is so hard for companies, I think, because they're maybe not hiring self-starters. They're not hiring people that they really trust. Right. Well, well, also, I was going to say, you know, we're 12 people. So it's also, I have a, I have a very good sense personally of what people are doing and, and what they should be doing. And, you know, I'm sure as things get bigger and more complicated, you know, that's when you probably do need more standardized policies. And so, I mean, it's all, it's all hard. Right. So you said um, something to me on our intake call that I thought was so interesting. I put it in quotes. Um, you wrote, Ener- you said, energizing opportunities, not draining ones. And I thought, wow, that's such, like, a cool thing to think about. Like, what, what's coming at me? Is it an energi- energizing opportunity, not a draining one? Um, what does that mean when you talk about leadership and growing the business? Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, for again, this sort of gets back to why, I mean, why I started the business in general, is you want to be excited about what you're doing every day. And, and I think, again, especially as a mom, I want to know that when I'm away from my child that I'm doing things that are meaningful to me and meaningful to others. And spreading our mission of destigmatizing pubic hair and body positivity are extremely important. Uh, I mean, that we're a mission-based brand, and so that really energizes me every day. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so I guess I just see challenges in general, what we're trying to build and just business challenges in general as energizing and as long, and that's the thing also when you're trying to prioritize being a working mom and, you know, running a business and, you know, everything seems like a lot and having a home life and, you know, I'm married too. It's, you know, but this is such a privilege and I'm so grateful to have these opportunities to have to balance. So there's um, something else that you said that I put in quotes because I loved it. <laughs> um, so uh, about the idea of growing and the seduction of growth, um, you said your goal is what you call ruthless prioritization. And I just like love the combination of those two words together. Um, what is ruthless prioritization? Uh, 
I, well, again, I think that's that is mo- that's working motherhood. It's probably all motherhood, to be honest. Um, but I, I guess I can only speak to my experience. But yes, I think you ha- when you're a working mom, you must ruthlessly prioritize, and you can only be working on the most important thing at that particular moment. I actually think that's made me a better leader and manager than maybe I was before a mo- before I became a mother because. Uh, Again, I can't have FaceTime. I can't I can't sit there all night. I literally can't. And so, you know, when I get to work, I have these eight hours to – I hope eight hours unless my child gets sick. <laughs> so I have eight hours to do the most important things that need to get done that day. And those are the things I do, and that's all I do, and then I'm gone. And so that's actually why I think moms can – working mothers can make amazing leaders and amazing managers because we have to think that way to survive. And so uh, I think it's really empowering. And um, has your has your team learned that technique for themselves? Yes. I mean, I think that's definitely, that's, again, also back to self-starters, results-driven, who we hire. It's, you know, and because that's the other thing is I can't sit there all night. And, I mean, they don't either. I mean, honestly, people do, like, we work really hard when we're there, and then we leave. And I think when you have that attitude that it's not FaceTime, it's results-driven, and there are really important things to get done, you know, it does it does trickle down. And I don't have to constantly be checking on people. I, I, I love hearing you say ruthless prioritization. I, I <laughs> like I love hearing those words come out of your mouth. Um, so you know the last thing I want to talk about is um, growth, and you you've mentioned a little bit about this. Like, how do you maintain your leadership style, your kind of personal goals for yourself, and managing your time, your team's time? Um, how are you planning for the future? So you're going to double in size, right? I hope so, you know, at like, least. Here's the pixie dust. You double in size. What kind of steps can you take now to make sure that the um, the values of an organization and the way that you value people you're putting into place for whatever that looks like when you double? Uh, I I always try, and you know, it's it's probably to varying effects of success, but to think really hard about what are the things that I need to do. What and well. What are the things that are taking up all, a lot of my time and what are the things that I am best suited to do? And so just making sure that I'm always sort of keeping on top of that and thinking about how I can build my team in a way that, it, you know, if something's taking 70% of my time and it's honestly not something that I'm the best at anyway, we should hire somebody new. And so I always think about how can we, how can I structure my day and structure my work such that, again, the three things that I can physically get done today are the right things that I should be doing. So I think it's more, again, about the right things and how you're spending your time and, you know, grow the team that way. I try to think hard about that. And um, my really last question, you seem like a really optimistic person. Um, what what does drag you down? Like, does anything ever, like, make you feel like, oh. Uh, that, I, that's funny you say that because I, I don't know that I always call myself op- optimistic, but... Um, like, there's times where I'm just like, you know, I'm in a client service business where I'm like, clients are killing me. Like, this is my business, right? So, like, obviously, the, you know, I come around, I take a break, and I realize, like, this is really fun. I get to work with clients. But sometimes I get really overwhelmed by criticism and um, complaints and things like that, and I go to chocolate chips, and I go to crying sometimes, you know? Like, so what about, um, is there anything about the business of, of growing a business, or in particular, your business, where you just, sometimes you just get dragged down, and you need to take a break and get out of that hole? Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and I make mistakes all the time, and uh, I make calls that I, you know, wish I didn't make. And I mean, I think that that's definitely part of the path. And uh, I mean, I think 
definitely something about my personality is that I, I try not to dwell on it, but I do try to take the lessons. And so, yeah, sometimes that's really rough. Like when you really felt like you've made the wrong call and, you know, for instance, that client, maybe they're really angry. Maybe they could have expressed it differently. <laughs> but, you know, is there anything there that I can take back and that I can use to to make myself better, to make my business better? And I've definitely had, look, I've had, I've had definitely rough feedback from people and, you know, th- again, things I would have done differently. But I think if you can really try to, you know, take the emotion out of it and at least get the kernel of learning out of it. Um, but yeah, sure. I mean, there are, you know, hard nights, right? I think that's where the personal support comes in. That's where my business partner comes in and my family comes in and, you know, a bottle of wine comes in now and again and, you know, yeah. So, it, no, it's re- it's really hard and it feels like a slog. And that's where I think the support is essential. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And I love all your advice. I'm going to use it. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoy this interview with Laura. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.